For scripture reading, we turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. The text will consider our verses 26 to 33, which I will not reread. We'll read the first 37 verses of Luke chapter 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the, of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and... Many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. 
And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So far we read from God's holy and inspired word. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we read the passage that we just read in, in Luke chapter 1, we can see how there is, you can look at the two, the, the announcement about the birth of John and the announcement concerning the birth of Jesus. On the one hand, both of them, it's Gabriel that makes the announcement. And yet we also can see some differences between the two announcements. On the one hand, with the first one, makes an announcement to, to the father, to Zechariah. In the second one, he makes an announcement to the mother, to Mary. And of course, the child, Mary's child, is going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we notice that with the first one, that Zacharias is in Jerusalem. That he's in the, in the temple, in Jerusalem. That he's a priest. And then we turn to the, the next announcement, and that announcement comes to, to Mary, who is in this town in, in Galilee, in the town of Nazareth. The third contrast we see is that with the first one, Zacharias doesn't believe. And the angel makes specific reference to that. Thou believest not my words. Wherein the next one, when the announcement to Mary, Mary does believe. In fact, the next verse, we stopped at verse 37, but the next verse is Mary saying, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So with Zacharias, we see that at the moment he didn't believe. Of course, we see what takes place in Zacharias later, but at the moment he did not believe. And with Mary, she did. And yet, which of the two was more amazing? On the one hand, you have this man being told his wife's going to that she's going that they're, they're she's going to conceive and they're going to have a, a child when they're old which would have been seemed very very unlikely how could that possibly be at that age and yet it happened with god nothing shall be impossible but with mary now the case is she's told she's going to have a child without knowing a man. The virgin birth, as a virgin, 
she is going to conceive and bear a son. How amazing. And yet it is reality. News, news concerning this would gradually spread. And as we look at the, the narratives concerning the birth of Christ, we see how the news gradually spread. But here we see how he makes announcement about John the Baptist to Zacharias. And others are going to hear about it as time goes on, but he, the news is brought specifically to Zechariah. And then now the announcement concerning the birth of Christ to Mary. We read in Matthew about what the angel said, an angel said to, to Joseph. And throughout we see how God reveals his word to his people. And then that word is, is echoed elsewhere as the, as the word begins to spread and to go forth. In another narrative, we'll read about the wise men that come. In Matthew, we read about the wise men come. Where is he that's born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and come to worship him. And yet many did not believe. Many did not believe in the Savior. Well, as we read in this specific narrative that we look at this afternoon, there are many that look at this and there's so much of a focus on Mary. Many focus. The Romish church puts a lot of focus on Mary, the worship of Mary. And a big part of it, that when they, to defend their idea of the worship of Mary and prayers to Mary, they go to this narrative. This is, this is one of the places, a key place that they go to. And yet we recognize that indeed she did believe, but it was the work of God's spirit within her, the spirit that works faith. She received, she was, received the grace of God. It's by God's grace that she believed and that she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. But clearly when we look at this, at this narrative, what is set forth to us is the greatness of the child that would be born. He shall be great, we are told, and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. This passage speaks to us of the wonder of the incarnation, of the truth concerning the virgin birth. And we read this also as those who know that we are citizens of this kingdom, of this kingdom that has no end. We consider this text under the theme, the Virgin Mary to have a son. We consider first of all the salutation Secondly, the wonder, and then thirdly, the kingdom. The text we consider begins by saying, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. He makes a reference to the sixth month. That's going to come up later, too, uh, in verse 36. When it says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her. So she's six months pregnant. And here we're told that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee called Nazareth. Now Galilee was north of Judea. And that was the area that had been the area where the northern tribes were. And now the, there was Judea in the south, and there was Galilee north of it, and in between there was a section referred to as, as Samaria. And Nazareth was within Galilee. Now elsewhere we read of people saying, questioning the Jews saying, out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. 
Look and see, out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And Jesus was referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. Now we know, of course, he wasn't born there. That that was his town, the town where he was reared, but that was not where he was born. Yet it was the case that at this time, this is, this is where, they, where they lived, and this is the, the angel comes and talks to Mary in Nazareth where they live. They're going to go down to Bethlehem, and that's where Jesus will be born, and then later come back, later come back to Nazareth in Galilee. To a virgin espoused, espoused, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now Mary was of the line of David. It's important to see too that there was significance to the fact that Joseph was. Even though he was not the biological father. Even though it was the case that he, she was, he was born of a virgin. It was still the case that there was significance to the fact that Joseph was the son of David. He's referred to that in more than one place. Not only here, when it says Joseph was of the house of David, but we read of that elsewhere. As when the angel comes to, angel of the Lord comes to Joseph, he addresses him that way. Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee, marry thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And we take note, too, how betrothal, there was some difference between betrothal, being espoused, and what we refer to today as being engaged, in that the language that was used was the language of, of even though they had, the marriage had not been consummated yet, they referred to them as it says, Fear not to take unto thee, Mary, thy wife, in verse 20. And... Uh, the the two there was a there was a promise that had been made and they the two were going to be married and they were referred to then at times as husband and wife even though it was the case that the marriage had not been consummated yet we see the same thing in the the old testament too we see a reference to that same idea in Deuteronomy 22, verse 23, says, If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed, so he's talking about a damsel, a, a virgin that's betrothed, not married, betrothed unto an husband. So it uses that language. She's betrothed unto a husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, and so on. Uh, and then it talks, it goes in later and says, He hath humbled his neighbor's wife. So there was, that language was used. They were referred to that way, even though it was the case that it was not the case that the marriage had been consummated as of yet. Now, of course, there were those then. The fact that she was betrothed, they were betrothed, it was the case that once Jesus was born and as he grows up, there were those that referred to him as Joseph's son, he was supposed to be the, the son of Joseph, and indeed from a legal point of view that was the case. But there, there would have been those, well, they see Mary and Joseph, and it would seem as if this child was just, was their firstborn child born the usual way. When actually that was, was not the case. That actually she was gave birth while she was still a virgin. Not only did she conceive while she was a virgin, but it was also the case that the child was born while she was still a virgin. The angel comes and speaks to her and says, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Now, before getting into the, the statements that are made here, looking at the proper explanation of this statement, it is quite something the way the Romish church 
quite wicked what the Romish church has done in taking this passage and they use this passage to support the idea that we're to pray to Mary. We're all more familiar with the fact that they'll talk about praying certain Hail Marys. Where do you get support for that? Well, right here. This isn't, it's, it's quite, when we look at this to see what they've actually done, this is an angel talking to Mary, and then they're going to change it into a prayer to Mary, into us praying to Mary, when what this is is an angel talking to Mary, and they're going to change it into a prayer. Their Hail Mary includes the parts of Luke 126 and parts of Luke 142, and then they add the word Mary itself because the angel just simply said, Hail, thou highly favored, and so on. So they add the word Mary so that they say, Hail Mary. And they say we should pray to her. She's called a co-redemptress. She's called a mediatrix, or the, the mother of God, without adding the phrase, according to the manhood. In the Creed of Chalcedon, we refer to her as the mother of God according to the manhood. They often just simply refer to her as the, the mother of God. The mother of all believers, she's referred to as. And we're to entrust ourselves to her prayer and to go to Jesus through Mary, asking her to pray for us, asking her to help us. They talk about praying to Jesus and asking Mary to help them, to keep them, to guard them, to show us Jesus, to deliver us from all dangers, that they pray to Mary and they make these requests. Clearly, this is a grievous sin. This is clearly a violation of the very first commandment. Have no other gods, no other gods besides Jehovah. Now, sometimes they'll say, well, it's no different than if you were to ask help or for prayers from somebody else on earth. If you were to go up and ask a brother to pray for you or to help you, there's a big difference between asking somebody else on earth to pray for us or to help us and to talk to a dead saint and ask that dead saint to pray for us and to help us. For that's clearly contrary to the first commandment of God. We're to look to God for all that we need and we're to trust in him alone. talk of the Hail Mary is even used in football games. It's quite, you know, think of how familiar people are with, foot, with the, in a football game when the, the, last, the pass, when there's, when there's a long distance to go and you play that long pass because the time is going to run out so you just throw a long pass and hope that, that somebody on your team ends up with the football in the end zone. And they call that a Hail Mary. And that's making a reference to the Romish practice, you know, praying to Mary, like, oh, you just throw it up with a prayer to Mary. It's extremely wicked. And it needs to be viewed as, as such. And it's important to also look at this passage from the viewpoint of what it does say. The word hail has the idea of rejoice. At various times a person is addressed and with the word hail or rejoice. And that's the word that's used here. It is interesting when you look at where else this term is used. A number of places where it comes up is when the people were mocking Jesus and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. That's where the same word appears. But here, 
to an angel of God, Gabriel, who speaks the words to Mary, rejoice, hail, rejoice, and refers to her as highly favored, one whom God has graced, undeserved favor. It's not the case, as the Romish church teaches, that Mary was sinless. She was a sinner. And God showed to her undeserved favor. The Lord is with thee. That comforting phrase, the Lord is with thee. Blessed. Well, if the Lord is with you, you're blessed. Blessed are those that have the Lord with them. Those that are to be apart from God is death, as we sing. Yet many don't want to be. Many want to flee. They, they flee from God. They turn away from God. Well, the ones that are blessed are the ones who are with the Lord. The ones with whom the Lord is. And we see that in this announcement here when it says, The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou. Blessed art thou among women. And of course, there's a reference there to the fact that she is, she is privileged to be the mother of our Lord. That phrase we do find in the scriptures. We don't find the phrase mother of God, but we do find that phrase Mother of our Lord, as Elizabeth referred to Jesus. The mother of our Lord, a sinner who was saved by grace, who was privileged to be the mother of our Savior. When Mary, when Mary saw the angel and heard what he said, we read that she was troubled by his appearing, not by his, it doesn't specifically say she was troubled by his appearing, but troubled by his saying. Well, that's quite interesting. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Imagine having an angel appear to you, having the angel Gabriel appear to you and speak to you. Specifically, though, it says here, she was troubled at his saying. What is he saying when he says, Hail, highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. What is he saying? Why is he referring to her that way? That her mind is on the meaning of what is being said. Now, there's an important lesson in that, too. You know, elsewhere we read of Mary pondering things in her heart, of hearing the word and pondering it, wanting to understand what is being said. And that's what we see here with Mary. That's the way we should be whenever we're reading the word. That we should be pondering, what does this mean? That for Mary, one would say, well, this was an important message to her. An angel came to her. It was an important message to her. So is all the scriptures an important message of God to us who are in Christ and us wanting to understand and looking to God to guide us to understand. And she is told not to fear. Fear not, Mary. The angel says, fear not. Do not be fearing, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. No reason to fear. Thou hast found favor. He speaks to her about God's grace. And it's important to see a 
addressing the people of God and addressing them and speaking of the grace of God. We do that the same in our worship service. We begin with a reference to that. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important for us to hear that. That we're loved of God. And she hears here, she hears the truth about the grace of God, the favor God has shown her, and then he goes on and speaks about the wonder of the incarnation. That he says, Behold, thou shalt conceive. Behold. That's, we're familiar with that word, behold. We read it a lot. It's good for us to see that word as like, look. Look and be amazed. And not to just pass over it as if the word behold is not there. In fact, it's interesting that the same word is found in the passage in the Old Testament that speaks about the virgin birth. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. That's Isaiah 7:14. And then here, behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And so on. Behold, look and be amazed. She responds to that not in unbelief, but she does have a question. With Zacharias, he, he doesn't believe the words, and he makes a reference to, the, to their age. Mary does believe, but she's wondering how. How shall this be, seeing I am not knowing a man? Now, it is, it is true that she is betrothed to Joseph, but it was some time, we don't, don't know how long it was going to be before that marriage was going to be Consummated, And at the moment that he, she receives this message, she's not knowing a man. How is it then that she is going to conceive? And then she is told about the virgin birth. She will conceive as a virgin, that the Holy Spirit will come upon thee. And the power of the highest, the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the, the Son of God, the Holy Ghost. The answer to her question is she's going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. So the answer to how by the Holy Spirit is the answer. Born without the will of man. Which is true regarding the virgin birth. It's really true all with regard to all of our salvation. That our salvation is not dependent upon any activity that we perform. Without, without the will of man, as we say in our confessions, it was the case that the virgin conceived. And the child was born. This child, this holy thing that shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. That it makes reference to the fact that he shall be called that. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Son of the Transcendent One. He will be that. And it'll also be the case that he will be confessed as that. That he, it will be known that he is the Son of God. And people will refer to him as the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. Indeed, we are among those who, by the grace of God, refer to him as such. All three persons, 
were involved in the incarnation. The Father sent the Son. It was specifically the second person of the Trinity that took upon himself the human nature. And it's the, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. A real conception and a real birth. It wasn't the case that Jesus' human nature was specially created and just put into the womb of Mary without there being the usual connection between the child and the mother. As if he was like a, a fruit. It's been described that some have held to him the idea that he was like a fruit in a basket sitting in the womb of Mary. This was a real conception and a real birth. And true, Mary was a sinner. But this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was the sinless one, a complete human nature, human body and a human soul. God with us, Emmanuel, two natures united in the one person of the Son of God, a permanent union. Still today, Christ has a human nature. So here we read about the conception. It would be the case that the Son of God, having taken upon himself the human nature, from it would be a permanent union. And it still will be, it still is now and still will be, that Christ has a human nature, two natures united in one person. His name shall be called Jesus. And Mary was told that she was to name the child. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. In Matthew, we read about Joseph naming the child. So we read about Mary and Joseph naming the child. And yet we know that the name that they gave was the name that God had told them by the angel. So yes, they named the child, but the name was to be Jesus. With Zacharias, that child was also, they they said what the name of the child should be. The name should be John. With Jesus, the unique Messiah, God makes known that the name of this child is Jesus, Savior, or Jehovah, Salvation. He's called that. He is Jehovah God. He is our Savior. She received a sign to strengthen her faith. We talked about how the sacraments are signs that are used to strengthen our faith. Well, she, there's, a, there's a sign that she's going to see that's going to strengthen her faith. And we are told that the angel told her, Behold, Thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month which her which is called barren. And we right after this, behold, Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. So she's told about this. And then she quickly goes. She goes with haste, and she comes there, and Elizabeth, when she hears the salutation of Mary, the babe leaps in her womb. So it's not just that she's going to see that indeed she's, she's going to get there and see Elizabeth is pregnant, just as the angel said. But also it's going to be the case that the babe's going to leap in the womb, and Elizabeth's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and speak out with a loud voice. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And then she said this to her, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now when that, she hears that, we read that's when Mary says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. My Savior. She also needed a Savior. A Savior from sin. The wonder, Emmanuel, God with us, that as our mind is directed to Jesus, who is both God and man, Emmanuel, he is with us, God is with us. We see God and man united together in the one person of the Son of God, and we are in Christ. We are in the one. In Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is both God and man. Covenant. Communion. God with us. And of his kingdom. There would be no end. He would reign forever over the house of Jacob. Now, Jacob's not to be viewed then as a negative. Now, Jacob, sometimes we read of Jacob, sometimes we read of Israel. But here we see that there's a reference to the house of Jacob. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. We recognize that when the scriptures speak about Israel, that holy nation, that all, God's people out of all nations have been united into the one people of Jesus Christ, one people, one holy nation. And in the old dispensation, when one's talked about Israel, well, that, that was the church. And now the Gentiles have been united with them. The elect Gentiles are united with them into one holy people, who have Jesus as their king. He's king over all, but he's king of his people. And he rules in us graciously. He came in fulfillment of the covenant promise. And there's reference to that when it says that he shall, the Lord God shall give unto them the throne of his father David. That directs us to the covenant promise that David would have a son and that he would reign forever. That he came in fulfillment of the covenant promise. The son is the heir and of his kingdom there would be no end. And he would work graciously in his people and save them. Thy sovereign, efficacious grace. With regard to Mary, she also was one saved by grace alone. There's another false teaching with regard to Mary that the Romish church teaches. They make, they refer to our salvation as dependent upon Mary. In that, the in, for the incarnation to take place, for the virgin birth to take place, Mary, it, was ne it depended upon Mary submitting. So that if God, as if God said, I'm going to do this on the condition that you 
agree to it. And then Mary agrees to it. And on the, on the, on, on, because of what she did, her agreeing to it, we're saved. They make it dependent upon what Mary has done. Of course, in line with that, many people teach salvation is, de- is based on, dependent upon an activity which we perform, which is not true. And with regard to what was announced to Mary, there, it, there was no statement here about this being somehow conditional, like a conditional offer. The angel said, this is going to happen. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. This is going to happen. It's certainly going to happen. That's the way the angel presents, speaks of it. And then God also worked within Mary who by the grace of God makes the statement that she does. And she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. It was by the grace of God that she says that. God worked in her to make that statement, but it wasn't dependent upon her. God accomplishes his purpose. And so is it with all of our salvation. When we talk about Christ as our king, many people will sing at this time of year about Christ as king, and they'll praise the, the, the newborn king. It's also important to confess what, that, what it is, what that kingdom is, the spiritual heavenly kingdom, and that Christ, the king, builds his church. He accomplishes his purpose. The purpose of God is accomplished. He builds his church. He saves every person he intends to save. And that we're saved by grace alone. That word highly favored. The word that's translated highly favored. It appears one other place. And that's in Ephesians 1. And there it's referring to you and to me. It's referring to all of us, all of us who are in Christ. And there it's translated, made accepted. So that we think of Mary as being highly favored, but the same word is referred to us as those to whom God has shown favor. In verse 6 of Ephesians 1, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. Made accepted. That's the way it's translated in Ephesians 1, verse 6. He has made us accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in the beloved. God has shown us favor. Undeserved favor. We have Christ in our heart. There can be so much about the fact that Mary had the Christ child in her womb. And indeed she was privileged to be the one that had Jesus in the womb for a while. We are to direct our attention to the fact that this Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, that Jesus is in our heart. He is in us. He's in you. We have been, we have received the Spirit of God, which is what baptism pointed to today. This Jesus is in us. So when someone says, Imagine having the Jesus in your womb to have been the woman that had Jesus in your womb. Well, that was a great privilege. But we have Jesus in our heart. And we will forever be members of the body of Christ.
marvel at the mercy that God has shown to us sinners. And Mary says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. May we, as God's children, as those who serve Christ, who hear the good news of God's love, of God's blessing, of his favor, May we, with love for God who's shown love to us, say, I am thy servant. Thankfully, I desire to glorify thee. And as Mary says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. May we praise his name. And in our daily life, show that we don't live unto ourselves. We live unto our Lord. That our mind is on what he would have us to do. That we delight to praise him. We delight to express our thanks to him. May we praise and exalt his holy name. Trusting in him. With God, nothing shall be impossible. That's true with our God. He can and does all his pleasure. May we trust in him, walk with him, and magnify his holy name. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, our Father, we thank thee, O Lord, for thy grace. We're so thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We're so thankful that he dwells within us and that we are members of his body. We know that it is really true what we read of here and what joy fills our heart as we think on these things. May we praise and exalt thy name, O Lord, our God, and walk with thee. Bless all thy saints, for Christ's sake. Amen.